Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on this week's Gagan Pressing, Manu and Bryce are joined by Fox Sports commentator Keith Costigan as we shine a light on the US men's national team players currently plying their trade in the league. And of course, Stuttgart boss Pellegrino Maserazzo. The guys also look at Dortmund and Leipzig's drop points, plus Bayern's shock Pokal exit to Kiel. That's all coming up in the next 35 minutes on Gagan Pressing, the Bundesliga podcast. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me. As always, is Manuel Beth. Manu, how you been? Yeah, good, Bryce. Very good. I mean, not much that we can do these days um, with, with lockdowns going on and all that. But, you know, at least football is on. And I think the Bundesliga provided us, Bundesliga and the DFB Pokal, which we also get to talk about this week, provided us with some highlights. So I'm really looking forward to chat about it all. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad we've got the football to talk about. As, as we said just before we came on here, there's not a lot else going on really, is there? But uh, that leaves plenty to talk on the uh, podcast at least. Well, Chris would normally join Manu and I, but Chris is a little um, tied up today, so he won't be with us. But we've brought in one hell of a replacement in Fox Sports reporter Keith Costigan. Keith, Thanks very much for coming on. How are you keeping? I, I'm doing good, thanks. And uh, yeah, Chris Williams is big shoes to fill. So I apologize to the Chris Williams fans out there. I will do my best to, uh, to bring as much energy and, uh, and insight to the game as he does every week. <laughs> yeah, the, the pressure is on, Keith. Uh, I'm sure you'll be up to the task. But yeah, um, as we've got uh, Keith on the podcast today, we thought that we would have um, a special topic. And we're going to start right there with this. It took him a while to settle, but he certainly has done. Now, Hoppy. Oh, Hoppy again! How did he not make the keeper from there? That's right. Another Hoppy goal for Schalke. They may not have won this weekend, but um, you know, he's been on the score sheet again, and that is one shining light. So we, we thought we would focus on the U.S. men's national team players, uh, a little bit of a focus on them and them being in the Bundesliga. So we're, we're going to start off with uh, Hoppy. As I mentioned, he just scored again. Um, Keith, um, yeah, he, he looks fantastic at the moment. We, we've seen four goals in the last two games from him. Uh, what kind of uh, player are Schalke getting here? I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about you know, anyone that maybe doesn't know much about him? Yeah, I think, you know, he's a, he's a SoCal, he's played in Southern California. Uh, he went to Barcelona Academy System, which has a setup here in America. Um, but I think, I, I, I have to be completely honest, I, I don't think anybody imagined that he would go to the Bundesliga and start and have this impact so quickly. Um, I think he's a, he's a good goal scorer. He's, he's an athlete in the final third. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a, another former U.S. player who went over to the Bundesliga and took it by storm many years ago, and that's Eric Wijnaldum. Um, so I, I think that's high praise indeed for Hoppe, but um, there's not much to cheer about for Schalke this year. But I, I think Hoppe's performances over the last few games, when you're a team struggling, as a young player, 
you may get opportunities and you have to grasp them and, and you have to say over the last couple of weeks he's he's certainly done that and I'm delighted to see how he's going to continue to develop. Yeah, Matthew Hoppe, he's, he's done it again, hasn't he? He's definitely um, a ray of light in that Schalke storm cloud anyway. Um, Manu, we've seen him score once again. Um, it looks like he's going to be you know, one of the, the players to really focus on and watch going into the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think so. It's, it's interesting for me, and I'm curious to hear Keith's thoughts on this too, that they are looking into bringing in um, Klaas-Jan Huntela from Ajax Amsterdam to sort of as another support player. And, you know, there was talks that uh, Schneider even approached Veda Dibisevic to bring him back as well. Um, Veda Dibisevic obviously shut that down, doesn't want to come back to Schalke. Yeah, I think it's it's um, somewhat telling that maybe they want to bring in another player. Um, you know, on the one hand, I guess you want to give your young players playing time but on the other hand having someone like Huntela would maybe help him in this development uh, as I said I, I'm curious about your thoughts on this Keith because I mean the Schalke yeah they won last match day they lost on this match day again this the storm hasn't really passed it for them has it yeah I, I would look at it I mean I think the 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 moves that Schalke have made over recent weeks smacks of a club uh, in, in desperation mode they don't seem to have a, a long-term transfer plan and I think it, it really reminds me of the demise of Hamburg in their final days in the Bundesliga as well uh, yes Klaasian Huntelaar was a great goal scorer but he's at the very end of his career and um, I do understand the logic of you know not putting all your eggs in the Matthew Hoppe basket because he's a young player um, young players tend to you know have peaks and valleys in their form um, so yeah you bring in other players by all means but again you're just looking to you know, almost reignite, you know, a, a, an old flame. And that doesn't always work out quite as well as you would hope. So I, I think the, you know, bringing Kalasinac, you know, then we've heard talks of Max Meyer as well. They're not exactly forward thinking in the transfer moves. Ultimately, I, I think Schalke go down. And, and I think their moves in, in the transfers, both comings and goings over the last few years is, is going to be one of the reasons why. And Keith, uh, do you think if Schalke do go down, uh, that Matthew Hoppe would stay there, or do you think he would look to move on? I, I would imagine he would look to stay. Um, I, I think as a young player, you're looking right now at this age as the opportunity to play. Um, he's shown, you know, some some brief moments that he, he can score goals at the highest level. Um, but you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to make a move to a club where all of a sudden you become a squad player and you don't have that chance to make an impact. So I would imagine in Bundesliga too, he would be given a lot more opportunities as well for Schalke. And, and I think, look, it's very early on, but he's shown he can score goals. And I, I think, I don't want to say it would be a good move for his career to drop a league. That, that's not the case. But it might be good for the playing time that he's going to receive. And, and I could see him score goals there as well. But, you know, look, a, a word of caution for Schalke and their fans. Hamburg went back down. We all expected them to come back, you know, straight away. That's not as easy as, as you would imagine. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, Schalke, if they do go down. Yeah, most certainly. Um, Manu, how many goals do you think we could possibly see uh, Hoppe score you know, by the end of the season? Obviously, it's going to be a little bit difficult you know, in that Schalke side, but uh, you know, he, he looks like he's up to the challenge. Yeah, I think we don't want to put too much pressure on him. He's, he's a 19-year-old player who is, who's just making his way. He's got three, and last week he scored one today. And um, I mean, that's four goals already. Um, I think if he if he gets to ten at the end of the season, that would be massive for him, right? Because I don't think he's he's going to necessarily continue this rate. 
So, um, yeah, I think if he gets to 10, that'd be great. It'd be good news for the club because it'd be fantastic news for Schalke. But I think at the same time, that's not the expectations that you can have in a player of his age. Yes, the last thing a young man needs is too much pressure, especially with all the potential he's got. Another forward that we're going to talk about from the US now is Josh Sargent. Um, Keith, we've now seen him for a little bit longer than Matthew Hoppe. Um, what exactly does he bring uh, to that Werder Bremen side? Uh, some people question you know, his goal-scoring rate, but he, he's so much more than that. Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've watched Josh Sargent for a long time now. I think he, he's a, as a player with a good first touch. Uh, he has the ability to link link play, um, play with his back to play as well. Um, yeah, I, I would say anytime we're talking about strikers, we say how many goals have they got? It's, it's natural. Um, but I would say um, not to make too many excuses for Josh Sargent, but he's in a side that aren't really uh, creative going forward. And I think whether Josh Sargent has played or, or other forwards have played, They've struggled to generate the goal-scoring chances for their strikers. So um, this year, we've seen flashes. We've seen moments from Josh Sargent, but we haven't seen um, that prolific edge you want from your, your number nine. And I wonder at the end of the season, you know, if it's still not uh, at that point for Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen, would he be best served to maybe play somewhere else, a club that's a little bit more expansive that you know gives him opportunities to to get on the end of crosses or or, you know create more goal scoring chances because I certainly think he is a player that knows knows how to find the back of the net I just think he's in a a team that really don't create enough to to give him the or generate the chances that he would need to score at a a, a top level. Manu what about yourself do you think that Josh Sargent you is is at the right club Uh, but what do you think uh, Berta Bremen are going to achieve this season obviously last year was a uh, it's torrid time for them, but uh, things looking a little bit better this season. Yeah, I think they're looking much better this year um, in so many ways. I mean, on the other hand, some of that comes down to the fact that the teams at the very bottom, um, Schalke, Mainz, you know, Bielefeld is probably the, the best of the lot. Um, Köln as well, right? They're all struggling immensely. And um, as a result, Bremen look better because the, the teams that are below them have are looking worse. Um, as for Sargent, it's such a difficult one for me because I know that they rank him very highly at Bremen. They really appreciate what he brings to to the game whenever he does start. And even when, you know, and Keith, you're quite right, we, we assess strikers by goals, right? And when you look at his, his goal-scoring column, I see 15 Bundesliga games and just one goal, and that's that's not a lot. And it's really hard to say, okay, the striker is developing well, but when he's not scoring goals. And um, I think for me that the, the problem is with this, sometimes we don't see the, the work rate that's put in. Um, but I think you, you raise an interesting question. Like where could he go as, as a player, right? Where could he fit in maybe even within the Bundesliga at a side where all of a sudden, you know, they give him the opportunities to be more productive? to work on that part of the game, which is so important for a striker. Yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, Keith, could you see him in any Bundesliga side in particular or anywhere that you would quite fancy him to go if, if you were allowed to pick? Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't like to, to, to speculate on any one particular club. I, I think it could work for him at Werder Bremen. Um, you know, and I do, I agree with Manuel. I, I think they are better this year. They've always been difficult to beat, but I, I just wish they they would be a little bit more open going forward. You know, they they've never they've never generated goal scoring chances. They you know even the creative players 
or maybe asked to do a little bit more defensively so they don't get in those attacking positions. So um, I, I would just like to see him in a setup that you know has wingers getting crosses in, that maybe has a number 10 that is looking to play closer to the striker and, and, and play him in behind on goal. Um, I think those things he he will he'll continue to develop. But but Manuel just said it. The the, the figures are there. One goal in fifteen appearances. Um, you know, it's not that he's he's warranting a, a move to a, a bigger club. But I do think certain people will look and say, yes, his goal scoring record isn't high, but there is uh, an ability to score goals there in a in a more expansive setup. I, I really believe that more than you know perhaps other strikers and. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that we'll have to watch continue to develop at Werder and, and possibly elsewhere if, if it doesn't change there. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I suppose that's what it comes down to uh, more than often, that strikers, you know, it's not a one-man job, is it? They're, you've got the rest of the team, you know, chucking those balls into the box and, and so forth. Uh, we'll have to see if uh, Josh Sardik can change his uh, goal-scoring uh, record as the season goes on. But as for Werder Bremen, as Manu said, things are looking a lot better this season than what they were last year anyway. Uh, Manu, we've talked um, plenty about uh, RB Leipzig and um, about them maybe not taking or making the most uh, of this season. Um, and they've done it again this weekend. They, they drew 2-2 with Wolfsburg. Um, they're, they're really just not able to get over these hurdles, are they? And keep it consistent and really you know, threaten the title at the top. Yeah, it's frustrating with RB Leipzig. I think you know when when you when you look at their results and the, the run that they've been having, it's another points dropped. And we're going to talk about um, Bayern Munich in a little bit. Um, I just feel that they haven't really made enough of this season. I'm curious what you think, Keith, because like you feel like this is an this is an opportunity lost almost for them, isn't it? A hundred percent. That's the way I look at it. And you know, I look back to. Uh, you know, the off-season losing Timo Werner. And um, I, I, I do like the fact that Nagelsmann doesn't let the loss of a, a big-time striker affect the, the mindset of his team, of his group. They're still, they've, they've become better defensively for me. Uh, Angelino has been, uh, you know, a, a revelation at left wing back. But I do look in certain games um, and I do think they lack, uh, you know, someone, in, someone that has that bit of quality in the final third. You know, Forsberg, Almo, Nunkunku, these are all kind of, you know, that second player, that not, not a secondary striker, but a setup man. Josef Poulsen is, uh, you know, a, a, you know a, a great servant to the club, but he's never been a prolific goal scorer. So I think they missed something there in terms of not getting someone in to fill that void. Um, I don't doubt Leipzig's ability in, in certain big games, because of Nagelsmann and his tactical ability to to be flexible with his formations and his uh, eleven, but I, I, you know I think this was a year where you thought Bayern might dip a little bit, and and Leipzig's ability to take advantage against some of the lesser teams again is 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 showing that's that's going to be their undoing. So I've been a little bit disappointed in that regard. But having said that, losing someone like Timo Werner and to still be you know, uh, as competitive as, as they've been is, is once again a credit to, you know, Nagelsmann, who I believe is one of the best coaches in world football. Do you think, Keith, and this is, this is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit, you brought in Alexander Serlot. Do you think that they were maybe a bit blinded by the amount of goals that Serlot has scored rather than looking at the right profile of player? Because he's definitely not a Timo Werner replacement at all. He, he isn't. And Serlot, for me, was an interesting 
uh, he was more of a, a, a Paulson striker for me. So I was wondering wh- whether Paulson was going to move on. Yeah, he, he's not that dynamic player that links with, uh, you know, or, or makes those dynamic runs in behind or, or threatens against teams. Um, maybe it was with one eye on teams that sit a little bit deeper because he is a physical presence. But yeah, it's, it's a different player. Does he, does he complement the other attacking pieces like Almo and, uh, you know, and Kunku and, I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think he does. I think he's a good player, um, but I don't think he's what Leipzig needed. I, I would I, I agree. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about you know looking at some of his numbers, but Leipzig do such a good job at analyzing the, the signings that they they have coming in. I think they would have covered everything. Um, so it is interesting that they haven't added someone as well as Sorlot, who's more of the player profile of, of Timo Werner, but but certainly a different player and. And certainly not as prolific, and, and that's that's going to hurt them this season. And Manu, talking about uh, U.S. nationals, we've got Tyler Adams uh, was on the bench for RB Leipzig and didn't feature at all on Saturday. Um, do you think there's any reason for that? Um, do you see him being, you know, a, a long-time player for RB Leipzig? Well, anyone who follows my account and listens to what I say knows that I'm a huge Tyler Adams fan. Um, I, I know that Julius Na- Julian Nagelsmann likes him a lot too, and I think that. The one, the biggest enemy that Tyler Adams has is his body in, in many ways. That every once in a while, it just lets him down a little bit. And I, I think when he made that step from MLS to Bundesliga, and, and in many ways, he made that step seamlessly, right? But I think there was always some small issues with making that physical transition in some ways. And I feel like he's still catching up a little bit with that. Um, in terms of trying to to get used to the more physical aspects of German football and also having to play so many games because he, he's obviously not just Bundesliga, it's also Cup, it's Champions League, right? So I think there's a little bit of that. But yeah, Keith, that's that's always been, when I look at Tyler Adams, such a wonderful player, but uh, maybe just being let down a little bit by his body. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I, I definitely see that point for sure. Um, you know, he, he had the injury issues, particularly last season as well. So um, I, I think that's played into, you know, maybe a, a slowdown in the, in the development of him becoming a, a key piece in this Leipzig team. I, I also think, you know, he's tactically flexible, um, which, which can be good and bad, right? Um, you know, we've seen him play in central midfield. We've seen him play as, as a right wing back and, um, I don't know if the the the, the movement of, of the the team and the movement of the system has helped him kind of settle into one position. Um, I, I think Haidara has looked better at times when he's played in in the roles that Adams has. Um, and and I, I think you know if if you're looking at now he didn't play this weekend. I'm not really surprised because when he has played, I don't think he's dominated in, in either of the roles that you know Julian Nagelsmann has used him in, whether that be in midfield or, or in that wide position. So I, I think he's a, he's a player that will continue to develop. He's got a massive ceiling. He's he's a, he's got an appetite to to take in all the tactical information. But I still I still in this system under this manager because of the the, the changing positions, he hasn't quite found his his role, you know, for the future. And, and that's something that we'll have to continue to watch as well. And a U.S. national place uh, on the other side uh, that they were facing is uh, Wolfsburg's uh, John Anthony Brooks. Um, Keith, uh, 
Brooks is someone that we see as a regular for Wolfsburg and have done for you know a few seasons now. Um, he's always very solid at the back. I mean, uh, I always just think that he's Mister Reliable. Yeah, I, I would agree, and I think I think anybody who watches the Bundesliga will tell you this is this is you know the man that the US needs to build their back four around. The issue um, for for the US and um, the managers over the last you know four or five years has been that. John, John Anthony Brooks has picked up injuries at, at the worst possible time when the squads have got together and, and you've kind of missed out. And I, I don't want to say he's become a forgotten man because he hasn't, but you're, you're kind of saying, well, we want to build around him, but he's never quite available when, when he's needed. But yeah, when, when he's playing, when he's fit, he's streets ahead of every other centre-back that the US have. Um, I think Wolfsburg have been very good this year. Um, I think they've been good over the last couple of seasons. Uh, and one of the reasons is Brooks has been fitter. He's stead on the field. Um, he's good defensively. He's a threat on set pieces as well. Um, I absolutely you know, can't speak highly enough of him as a player. And uh, yeah, when he's available, there's, a no, there's no doubt he's going to be you know, one of the first names on the, on the team sheet for, for Greg Berhalter with the U.S. men's national team. And Manu, would you uh, echo the the thoughts that uh, Keith has on Brooks? Yeah, one hundred percent. I I think there was a time when I had some doubts about his development at Wolfsburg and whether there would be a future for him. But I think he's um, swiped that away quite clearly. We have to remember too that at some point earlier in the season, it looked like Oliver Glasner could get fired over some of the comments that he made, right? And um, they they sort of they managed to bury bury the hatchet and, and keep working because you know when you look at the table now they're firmly in the race for a European spot uh, maybe even a Champions League spot and this is the, for the second year in a row yes I mean they failed to qualify for the Europa League group stage which was a massive disappointment at the club but you know they, they're very much on course on, on getting there again and I think um, Brooks is a big part of that and I remember too a couple, few years ago when I was in that um relegation playoff game against Holstein Kiel Brooks came back just before that and he was such an important player for them to avoid relegation right and I think that's always such an uh, such an important sign that if a player comes in and really helps to stabilize a side that how important he is for a team and I think yeah without a doubt Brooks is very important and when you look at the U.S. national team I mean they're defenders they're producing more defenders McKenzie was just gone over to Bruges is a good example for that right but they kind of feel like that is an area where they need a still a lot of work. And Brooks is going to be very important for them there. Another side that's been impressing this season is VFB Stuttgart. Uh, the promoted side are now sitting in 10th place and played in the late kickoff game on Saturday against Borussia Mönchengladbach. That game ended 2-2. Wamangituka once again on the score sheet for them. But... Um, uh, Keith, if we just speak about uh, Stuttgart a little bit, uh, and then we'll move on to, uh, I think, uh, Matarazzo, who deserves his praise as well. They're having a fantastic season. They are. And, and I think, you know, we can't underestimate how difficult it is to, to step up a level, um, you know, come back straight up to the Bundesliga and, and not just compete, but some of the results have been spectacular. Obviously, you know, the one that stands out is, is the win against Dortmund, where they were superb. But They've shown they can come forward. I, I think you just mentioned the young striker whose name I will not try butcher right now. You know, Nico Gonzalez too has, has played well. So he, they, they have pieces there that, you know, in games, in tight games, they have they have guys that can score and, and come with a timely goal. And I, I do think the manager, you know, I know uh, I know Manuel is, is very impressed with Pellegrino Matarazzo. 
I am too because they're a fun side to watch. Um, and, and sometimes the default for managers coming in to a league when they've been promoted is, is to think on the negative side of things. And, and I don't think Stuttgart have done that. So uh, really impressed and, and looking forward to seeing how they finish the season because it's, it's not just about obviously you know, starting the season well. It's can you do it over the course of a full campaign? Uh, and that's going to be the question. But, but so far, so good for this side. Yeah, Manu, the results have been good for Stuttgart and this result once again against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Another impressive display. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, a little bit of luck, a little bit of refereeing controversy right towards the end right on, on that penalty. Um, you know, I think Felix Brich and Bianca uh, Steinhaus have to work on their communication when it comes to VAR. And um, I think Gladbach were rightfully very upset about the fact that this penalty was given. But at the end of the day, you also have to get yourself into the position of being able to produce chances like that, right? A penalty, creating a penalty is always creating a chance. And Stuttgart were thereabouts. They were very good in this game. Um, once again, you know, and Gladbach are a Champions League side. They're the team that qualified out of a very, very difficult Champions League group, right? Um, that included Real Madrid, Inter, Mil- Inter Milan and Schachter Donetsk. And they came in second in that group and um, advanced. So this is this is a very good team. And I think Stuttgart have been in every game this season where they were just excellent. You know, you always felt that they would be able to get a result, whether it was the 5-1 against Dortmund. They were good against against Bayern Munich um, for promoted side to be in competition every single week speaks really highly and, and Keith alluded to it I'm a huge fan of Pellegrino Materazzo I think we don't mention him enough uh, in these circles because he has come in as a, a no-name coach an unknown coach and he's stabilized a club that has been you know firing coaches left right and center every single year and uh, I think that is something that you can't underestimate yeah, they really have been impressive and it continued this weekend. A side that have been less than impressive is Borussia Dortmund. They managed to draw 1-1 with Mainz this weekend. Um, Keith, things at Dortmund, not so rosy at the moment, are they? No, um, it's a difficult one because you look at the Dortmund squad and, and you look at what they've done over the last few years in the transfer market and you say, Oh, wow, this is a team that can can really challenge, but they always seem to be one year away. And um, I, I think, you know, the business that they do on the transfer market has been good, but because they've shown um, a tendency to sell players and move players on, I think players come there knowing it's a stepping stone. So we always talk about, well, they have great young players. We're always waiting for that next great young player to come through. And we all know it, even the the very best young players, consistency is still the last thing that they develop. So we'll see moments of absolute magic and then it will, it will, it will drop down and the level won't be quite as good from week to week. And I think that's what we see from Dortmund. We see players that have the potential to be absolute world-class, but they're never going to develop, at least in my eyes right now, they're never going to develop a, a world-class team that's built to challenge over the course of two, three years because by the time somebody is ready that player is ready to move on. And they just simply point to, well, you let other players go. That's why I came here to get my experience to move on. And and that's the reputation that Dortmund have got. Now, the one thing I will say, if they could bring in a manager 
that could just raise that level by four or five percent. A big name coach. It doesn't have to be a, a big name in terms of something that he's done in the past, but someone that has the ability to get the best out of this group. I never felt Lucien Favre was going to get Dortmund over the finish line. I thought he was a great, you know, middleman to get them from the issues they had before to now. But, you know, someone like a Nagelsmann for me would be perfect for this group. I, I think they may even have more talent. I think they do have more talent than Leipzig. I think he could get them to a title. But right now, I, I just see a club that develops great young players. And just when they're ready to challenge, they're going to lose those young players, unfortunately. And Keith, one of those talents is Gio Reyna. He didn't feature on Saturday, but um, he's been fantastic this season, especially at such a young age. He has. I, I think I was looking at a, a stat in the in the top five leagues of uh, under under nineteen. He's the, the the player who's had the most goal involvements. I think Harvey Elliott with Blackburn on loan from Liverpool is second. Um, yeah, look, he's a talent. But once again, I think if you were looking at Gio Reyna at a, a Bayern or another team, he might not have got as many chances. He'd still be nurtured along. Um, but, but that's the Dortmund way. They give these young players so many games that we'll see electric moments, but we'll also see games where you know their young players don't always show up. And because of that, the results kind of fluctuate. But yeah, I think Gio Reyna is going to be a star. Um, I hope Dortmund... Uh, continue his development and hold on to him for a little bit longer than they did with Christian Pulisic. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's a really top-class talent. Yes, he is. Uh, we hope to see him for a very long time in the Bundesliga. But uh, let, let's move away from the Bundesliga um, talk uh, for a little moment and focus about that mid-game Pokal result where we've seen uh, Bayern Munich, well, not really get a result that we're used to seeing. Kiel hadn't really bothered Manuel Neuer told him now. It's a long ball by Yannick Dane. Finn Bartels is through. Saar can't keep up with him. Bartels leaves him in his wake. 1-1. Neuer beaten. Finn Bartels with the equaliser. 37 minutes played. It's a surprise equaliser. And where did that one come from? Look, not, nothing against Bayern Munich. I, I, I love watching Bayern play, but... I think we all like to see the, the underdog you know, pull off a shock like this at times. And I, I will say, yes, it was a shock. Um, but the way Bayern have played over the course of this season, it was a shock that was coming. Uh, they, they've left themselves open. They haven't been as good defensively. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're clicking as much as they have. Look, Lewandowski is Lewandowski. Um, but I, I think Leroy Zane coming in, I don't want to say has affected the balance, but he, he just hasn't fit in as, as we would have expected so far. And, and funny enough, I was, I was just watching Thiago this morning for Liverpool. I really feel his management of the games is missing for, for Bayern right now. I, I think, you know, sometimes in transition moments, you need someone that, you know, just dictates the tempo, the play, gets on the ball and, and you know, gets others involved in, 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 a, in a slower manner, in a, in a, in a you know, a more methodical manner. I think Bayern really miss him, um, but it was great to see. You know, that's what the magic of the the Pokal, um, uh, incredible game, incredible drama at the end, um, incredible penalties as well. But but yeah, it's something that I saw coming from Bayern, and you know that they, they have to pick up their form. They weren't that impressive this weekend again. I think Manuel, we spoke before, and, and you talked about their win this morning. Um, th- there has to be some concern for for Hansi Flick, but. We've all seen Bayern. They know how to turn it on when, when it really counts, and I'm sure they'll be okay. But right now, there is cause for concern for the form. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a fantastic result for Holson Kiel you know, to win on, on penalties like that. We'll not take it away from them. But uh, Manu, th- this could be seen as possibly a good thing for the Pokal. I think it's a good thing for German football. It gives it, gives an, it means that someone else is going to win a, a domestic trophy something this year, right? Which is um, something you don't see that often. It's a, it's a, the gap is wide open. We know Bayern are not going to win a DFB Pokal, right? That gives um, every other team that's still in the competition an opportunity to win something, to win silverware. And that, that can go a long way in the development of a club. We look at Eintracht Frankfurt, right? And what it has done for them to win the DFB Pokal um, back in 2018. Um, that was a game that was at. Um, and I think it, it actually, yeah, I mean, it, of course, Frankfurt didn't, didn't make it to Europe last year. But they were excellent today and seem to be back on track of qualifying for a European spot again, right? Has done wonders. And someone else will be able to make fill the trophy cabinet this year. And that's that's great. It's always great news. Winning something is always good. Establishing a winning mentality is always something that you want. So I think it's fantastic news for German football. And Keith um, alluded to it. There's some big problems at Bayern. But, I mean, as we've said many times... Um, on the show before is also the their last season ended in August when they won the Champions League. Then they had a couple of weeks off and then they went straight back in it. I think this was just a matter of time. And yeah, it's so difficult to replace a player like Thiago, right? I think today they, they had spells in midfield where they were much better with Kimmich and Goretzka. But you're essentially asking those two players to carry 100% of the load now, right, Keith? And that's just very, very difficult. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. Look, I know, I know they they have a, a squad, and and you know you look at some of the other big name players in there. But I I just think not not to dwell on Thiago. I think Goretzka is a certain style of midfielder. Muller, I think it was actually the Dortmund game when Hansi Flick took over, where he left out Thiago, and they went with all power in midfield, and and they just outmuscled Dortmund and and, and won four nil. I'm not saying that they can't do that in big games. I I just think over the course of a season. It's it's that Thiago style player that they're missing, um, but but I, I look I do believe they'll turn things around, um, uh, but I, I would say as well just to add to everything we've we said I, I think the the front three is cause for concern as well around Lewandowski I don't think Zane has, has played as well as you know they would have hoped right now and it's going to be interesting to see what that front three is going to look like in those big games in Champions League play as as we get to those in the in the knockout stages. And Keith, who would you say um, your favourites uh, for possibly the Pokal would be now? Uh, and then I suppose I'll, I'll double up the questions by uh, following that one up and asking, do you think Bayern are going to win the Bundesliga? I will start with the Bundesliga question for us because, uh, you know, I, I think, yes, I, I think Bayern are, you know, you look at all the other teams this weekend and they drop points. So we're we're at a point where you say, can other teams take advantage of these issues? And for Bayern, it's almost they're almost daring the other teams. Hey, look, we're not playing well. Can you can you overtake us? And it never seems to happen over the last couple of seasons. So I think Bayern do win the title. Um, I think you look to the cup. I would look at someone like a Leverkusen who um, have impressed me this season. You know, with their form, um, I, I think Peter Boss is a coach that you know. When he was at Dortmund, we all talked about you know how naive at times the tactics were. I do think he's 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 got better with that, and I do think they have the firepower. So I, I think Manuel just said it that you know to lift a trophy is so big. Um, you know we talk about yes we want to get fourth, but you can't lift 
fourth place in the year and show it to your fans or get a medal for it. So I think someone like Leverkusen might see this as a, a great opportunity to, to lift a trophy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great opportunity, isn't it, for one of the other sides? And yeah, I did like that uh, analogy of uh, Bayern in the Bundesliga, I must say. Um, I think that more or less uh, does it for today on the podcast. But uh, Keith, you, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, we'll try and get you on here as as often as you will allow us to have you on. But uh, have you got anything coming up? Where can we uh, see you uh, or hear you next? Yeah, just with, with, with Fox Sports uh, covering Liga MX, um, you know, obviously that rivalry with MLS will, will continue to develop as we saw in the, in the CONCACAF Champions League. So uh, I'm on Santos Laguna and, uh, and Tigres, which is two big games on America and Monterrey last night. And then, you know, hopefully the Club World Cup is coming up and, you know, you get to hear my voice on, on one or two of the Bayern games as well. Uh, another tournament that they have to, you know, add into the already packed schedule. So, uh, exciting couple of months and I think you guys said it at the start there's not much else going on I am for one very happy we have football to you know get our mind off everything else that's going on in the world right now yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more Keith well that does it for the uh, podcast today we hope that you've uh, enjoyed it uh, and we'll be back before you know it um, with uh, plenty of football chat to keep you entertained uh, while mostly at home I'd imagine anyway I've been your host Bryce Dunn Auf Wiedersehen. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube